Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. Well, God bless you, Radiant Church. I'm Pastor Walter R. Belton. For those of you who may not know me, I have the wonderful privilege of coming and joining this amazing preaching staff here at Radiant Church as we're in the series, Jesus, Prophet, Priest, King, and Savior. And so I've been given the great honor of speaking about Jesus, the King. I just like the ring of that, Jesus, the King. So we're going to dive right into the scriptures. But just for a moment, let me pray for us as we invite God to be a part of this time that we share together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for who you have been. Thank you for being our king. Thank you for being our savior. Thank you for the love that you have shown toward us. And God, we pray that you will meet us in this moment as we take time to dive into your scriptures. Thank you uh, for the goodness of your love and your mercy and your grace. For it's in Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So if you would, grab your Bibles and join me in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 12, the Gospel of John chapter 12, and we're going to start at verse 12. For those of you who've been in church for a little while, you know that this is a very familiar narrative here, uh, the triumphant entry as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem just a week before he is crucified. And those of you who've been in church for a while, or some of the traditional churches, you remember on Palm Sunday, as we came to church, us ushers would pin little pieces of palm branches on our garments as we came in. So this is a triumphant entry as Jesus is coming in and they're screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, and laying down palm branches. John chapter 12 and beginning at verse 12. Listen uh, as John writes, the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Jesus, our King. What first jumps out me, jumps out at me in this text is the 16th verse when he said, his disciples did not understand these things at first. They didn't really understand Jesus' kingship. They didn't understand what he was doing riding in on a donkey because most kings rode in on a horse, many times a white stallion, but Jesus come riding in on this donkey. They didn't fully understand him as king. And I remember uh, when I was about seven or eight years old, uh, my family was a part of a church and I was a part of the 
children's choir. And there's one song that they taught us. I could never forget this song. I remember the lyrics of it. It says, soon and very soon we are going to see the king. And uh, the chorus of that song was, hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the king. I can't sing. But I remember that song. But as I think about it, at seven or eight years old, I had no idea about this king I was singing about. Uh, but I wonder now at 54, turning 55, do I know more about this king now than I did when I was seven, eight years old? Maybe so. I found him to be a good king. But here in the text, we find Jesus coming in to Jerusalem just a week before he's going to Calvary. He comes in and what's unusual is he's riding on a donkey. That's significant how he comes into town riding on a donkey. He just didn't have anything else to ride. He chose to ride in on a donkey because in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy about the Messiah. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it says, Fear not, daughters of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. Now, why sitting on a donkey's coat? Because a donkey is an animal that has uh, the symbol of being a creature of peace. He's a humble creature. He is a creature that common people would ride. People who could not afford a horse uh, rode a donkey. And Jesus came riding this donkey because he's not just uh, the reigning king, but he is a king that's coming in peace. He's a king that is coming in humility. And though they did not understand what he was up to, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. But as he's coming into town, they begin to shout and begin to praise, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Now, the strange thing is, it would be just a week later, these same people who said, Hosanna, Hosanna, will be saying, crucify him, crucify him. Because they found out that maybe this Jesus, this King Jesus, is not the king they thought he would be. How could he be our reigning king? How could he be our conquering king and allow them to arrest him? Allow them to beat him, allow them to hang him on an old rugged cross. He's no king of ours. But I wonder, you who deem yourself to be a part of his kingdom, do you see him as king? Because most of us in America, let's be honest, we never lived in a kingdom. We live in a society that's ran through democracy, meaning we have a say, we have a vote. Kind of like what my my shirt says, that my vote counts. Uh, In a democracy, yeah, the people has a say-so, but God's kingdom is not a democracy. God's kingdom is a theocracy. It's God-ruled. And so in a kingdom, the king has the last say. His words are law. And I wonder if, if I struggle with being a part of his kingdom because I never really live in a natural kingdom. I've lived in a place where there's a president 
And when he does not do what we want him to do, we vote him out and vote in a new president. But it doesn't work like that in a kingdom. And those of you who deem yourselves believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, our king, our priest, our prophet, our savior, you're in his kingdom. And because it's his kingdom, it's his rule. That means whatever he calls me to do, I do it. I'm his, I'm his servant. I'm his subject. And I've learned to navigate my life under his rule. And Jesus has often said in scripture, you find him saying that my kingdom is not of this world. He didn't say that my kingdom isn't in this world. It's just that his authority and his kingdom does not come from this world. It comes from the kingdom of God. And his kingdom is a real kingdom. And you can appreciate Jesus saying that my kingdom is not of this world. The, the authority of my kingdom comes from something so much greater than this place. It's, it's almost when you go out of the country. I've been on many uh, mission trips out of the country. And you know your passport allows you access into that country and also helps you to get back to your own country. But just because I'm in a foreign land, I am still an American. And so I don't become something else because I'm in another person's country. I am still an American. And Jesus says that our citizenship is not of this place. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so though I got to live in this world, he says, be in this world, but not be of this world because I'm a part of something that's so much greater than this world it's his kingdom. Are you living like kingdom people? Kingdom is, is not the church. And many believers, you go no farther than the church. It is so easy just to be a part of the church because being a part of the church, it just governs my time when I'm there. But to be a part of the kingdom, it means it governs every aspect of my life. It's not about territory kingdom is about rule and wherever the king reigns that's his territory and because I am his regardless of where I am I'm still a part of his kingdom and I live by his rules his rules mean I, I love those who despitefully use me I pray for my enemy I, I do things to expand his kingdom because I know I would have to answer to my king. Jesus wasn't the king they expected because he didn't come in like all the other kings that they knew. Israel knew about kings. I mean, there were over 42 kings that Israel had to deal with in their history. They knew about kings and many of those kings were wicked kings. So they had an expectations about kings. But the Bible many times, especially in the New Testament, brings up two Old Testament kings as it relates to Jesus. That's King David. King David was one of the most beloved kings of Israel. He loved God and he loved his people and he brought unity to the people of Israel. And then, of course, those Bible readers know that the New Testament Hebrews talk about this other king, Melchizedek. Melchizedek, that this Old Testament character that Abraham, after battle, comes and give a tenth, a tithe of the spores of war to this king. 
Now, the unique things about Melchizedek that the Bible says that he was priest and he was king. Now, we know that priests don't become kings and kings don't become uh, priests. But he was, and it says that he had no beginning and he had no end. And Jesus was king and priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus was an unusual king for them. Let me ask you something. Is it a challenge for you to see Jesus as king? Because maybe he does not come like you want him to come. Has God ever come in a way that you didn't think he would come? See, the challenge for us that we don't want to release control, but you can't be a part of the kingdom and run the kingdom. We can't put Jesus in this box and figure out this is the only way he operates. He's only for black people. He's only for white people. He's only for Republicans. He's only for Democrats. No, not this king. This king loves everyone in his kingdom. He comes as a humble, peaceful king. And they began to take off their outer garments and lay them on the road. And those who did not have outer garments, they began to lay down palm branches and begin to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, this king. And back to verse 16, verse 16 says, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. And so he, even his disciples could not appreciate his kingship. But it says after he had went to Calvary, after he had died, after he was buried, after he resurrected, after he was glorified, uh, then John says, uh, chapter 14, the Holy Spirit who brings things back to our remembrance gave them a revelation of who Jesus was. Yeah, those who once says, Hosanna, Hosanna, and then said, crucify him, crucify. They couldn't appreciate him as king because how could this king allow them to do what he did to them? Because they wanted a king to overthrow the Roman government. They believed that Jesus was coming and here was our savior. Here is our king who would come and destroy the Roman rule, the strong fist that Rome had over them. And they was hoping that Jesus would destroy that kingdom, raise up his kingdom so they would have power. Don't you remember that some of the disciples that they were saying to Jesus, listen, when we get to your kingdom, I want to sit on the left and I want to sit on the right. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. And so because Jesus did not look or fit the mold of kingship that they thought, they said, crucify him, crucify him. Because he's not going to conquer our enemies. But what Israel didn't realize that even though Jesus came riding in in peace, he was still the conquering king. 
Israel thought and the Jews believed that somehow Rome was their greatest enemy, but their greatest enemy wasn't Rome. Their greatest enemy is the enemy that Jesus came to destroy. And he did. When he came in riding on that colt, and it wasn't long before he went to Calvary, and on Calvary, that's where he destroyed the greatest enemy of our life, the enemies of sin and death. Yeah, our king, Jesus, conquered sin and death on our behalf. And because of what he did on Calvary, he removed the power of sin in our life. (laughs) He removed the penalty of sin on your life. And eventually he would even remove the very presence of sin. He is our conquering king. And he conquered our enemy when he died on a hill called Calvary for us. How would you not desire to serve a king like that? A good king who has proven how much he loves us. A good king that was willing to lay his life down for his subjects. This is the king we're talking about. Jesus, the king. I I love what Revelation chapter 19 says. Uh, Let let me get it for you. I want to read it. You don't need to hear it in my words, but Revelation uh, chapter 19 and verse 19. Listen what it says. It says that uh, I saw the beast, the king of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worship his enemy, uh, image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. This is a picture in Revelation. Watch this. When our king destroyed the enemy, Satan himself, and his wickedness, But verse 16 is what I love, and I'm I'm almost done. Verse 16 is what I love as they describe Jesus in Revelation chapter 19. And verse 16, listen what it says. He has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. Hold up, did Jesus have a tattoo? That's a whole nother message. Uh, Let's get back to the word. That's a whole nother message. He he had a name on his robe and on his thigh written. Here's what it says. It says, King of kings and Lord of lords. Man, Jesus is not just a king. He is the king of kings. That simply means that every authority, every king, every dictator, every monarch would have to bow up under his authority. This is the king that we serve. Jesus is king of king and lord of lords. And maybe there has been some authority in your life that has abused you, mistreated you, and it's hard for you to think that you can fall up under someone's authority and they not mistreat you but this king loves you he's a loving king you remember this this nursery rhyme Humpty Dumpty 
sat on the wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. There has been kings in your life that did not have the power to fix your brokenness. But this king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus, our king, has the power to put broken lives back together. He can put broken marriages back together. He, he can bring broken churches and broken communities back together because this king has all power in his hand. He's a loving king. He's a king that desires for you to be a part of his kingdom. It is a beautiful place to be because this king that we serve, he's a protector. He's a provider. He's a, he's a compassionate king. He wants the best for us. He desires the best for you. I said, I just want to encourage you. I want you to rethink who Jesus is. And maybe, maybe you're out there and you, this is your first time even hearing about him. And I know that uh, the other pastors on staff, they're going to come and talk about him being prophet and him being savior, him being priest. He is, he is so much. And maybe you don't know him at all, but I, I guarantee you, if you have a desire to know him and let us know, and maybe you, you have been a part of the church for a while, but I want you to go beyond the doors of the church. I want you to come and travel in the kingdom and find out what that means. I want you to begin to see Jesus as your conquering king, as your loving king. Let him be more than just your savior. Let him be more than just your get out of hell free card. Allow him to direct your life. There is a comfort in knowing that I don't have to figure it all out, that I don't have to fight all the enemies of my life, that I have a, a king that's looking out for me. This is who we're talking about, Jesus. And just as he marched into Jerusalem, that beautiful day riding on that donkey, listen, he wants to come riding in your life. He wants to be the prince of peace of your life. He wants to be the one that helps you direct your life and helps you to put things back together again and to make things make sense again. For many of us, church is all we have known about God. But God says, I want, to tr I want you to trust me a little more. I want you to come and be a part of my kingdom and find out the blessed peace of having a king to lead you. That's the beautiful thing about a good, righteous king, that he don't just send you into battle, but he leads you into battle. King Jesus wants to do that for your life. Listen, I hope and pray that you begin to search the scriptures and find out just how much King Jesus loves you. 
and just how much he desires for you to be a part of his kingdom. Let's pray. Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com giving.